0: And welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth, because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and I'm a recovering control freak. The more anxious I feel, the more I want to control. Whenever I do try to control things, however, I almost always create a big old mess, or more often, messes, plural, Can you relate? If you're a Christ follower, you've probably heard messages or sermons on living as if Christ truly is your Lord, to basically entrust your life to God, which doesn't mean inviting him to catch us on the back end and make sure all our dumb choices turn out okay. Surrender is being willing to yield completely to God's will in the big, in the small, in the exciting. and. terrifying moments, to live as if he truly is our Lord, our Adonai, our master, the supreme ruler of everything, our lives included. Now, I like remembering that truth, that he is supreme ruler of all when my family and I are facing difficult or uncertain circumstances, and I need to remind myself that he has the power to come through on my behalf. I find it more challenging, however, to live under that lordship When he's asking us to do hard things. Then I would much prefer to argue or barter with him to, to help him understand how logical my wisdom and perspective is, of course. Now, you've never done that, right? About 10, maybe 11 years ago, after a three-year transitionary period that included my husband quitting three jobs in less than a year and a half's time, he returned to the first company he'd been working for, but with a demotion. So he'd left a shop director over five repair shops and returned as one of three managers helping to run one facility. And his new position did not feel that secure. Honestly, no offense, honey, if you're listening, but honestly, I was shocked that his boss agreed to take him back at all. And at the time I felt pretty beat up. We had been through a lot during those three years. We lost a lot. And I think in some ways I was just waiting for another crisis to hit. And about two months, maybe sooner into his new job, he got a phone call. One of his employees had gotten hurt on the job, had gone to the ER and learned that his injury was reportable. So in the railroad world, that's a big deal. I don't understand all the whys except to say that injuries can get pretty expensive and I think it can even get the organization in trouble with the Federal Railroad Administration who wants to ensure that that companies are running their facilities safely. Well, once my husband got the news that the injury would indeed be reportable, he called his boss, the shop director, to tell him, well, his. His boss was not pleased, to put it mildly, and after screaming for a bit, told my husband not to report the injury. That's illegal, y'all, and my husband knew it. But he also knew he was kind of on shaky ground here. He, he was lucky to have a job at all. And we just bought a house. We still had boxes to unpack. My daughter and I were still grieving our previous moves. And my husband had a choice. Do as his boss, the person in authority, earthly authority over him asked, or more like demanded, or honor God. My husband looked at me, and while I didn't understand the full conversation at that point, I could tell he was struggling. And he closed his eyes for a minute, and then he said in a firm yet quiet voice, I'm not going to do that. And then we didn't know what the repercussions would be. And while he didn't lose his job, praise God, that was a really, really rough year for him. His boss's corruption had trickled down to infect the entire shop. People were stealing time with the shop director's blessing, I might add, leaving early and then having other people clock out for them. They were using company credit cards for huge illegitimate purchases. They were just doing a whole bunch of stuff. And here was my my husband in a position of authority, but also under authority, basically saying, hey, y'all, this is not okay. And people who were used to getting away with that stuff, they were not happy. And actually some of them actively tried to fire him in vicious ways. And each day my husband had a choice to make. Who would he let be his master? The people who seemed to have such power over the shop, over my husband's job, and therefore his ability to provide for his family, or Adonai, the ruler of all. It wasn't easy, but he chose God. The result, God protected him and us. What we didn't realize was during that really ugly, really hard year, corporate had been doing an audit. You see, they they suspected that some shady stuff was going on. And so they, they performed an audit and eventually everything came out. And in one day, the shop director, a manager, and three foreman generals were fired and walked off property by railroad police. And my husband, he received a phone call that same day from corporate that said, basically, you're up, meaning he had just been promoted. The truth always comes out, doesn't it? And God sees things that you and I can't, things that we might never see, actually. When we're afraid, it's so easy to grasp for control, to follow our will, to bow to external pressures. But when we take a step back, And when we remember God's character, when we remember his heart, that he is Elohim, the supreme God, and Yahweh, the self-revealing, self-existing one, that he is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, that he is El Rapha, the God who heals, that he is Adonai, the ruler of all, our attentive and faithful master, yielding to him becomes so much easier. David, ancient Israel's second king, he seemed to excel at this, at living fully yielded to God especially in the most trying, the most terrifying situations. So to give some background, God anointed him to be king of Israel over a decade before he actually took the throne when he was a young and a seemingly insignificant shepherd boy. He was the youngest in his family, actually, so the last person anyone would expect to have any kind of authority or blessing let alone be God's chosen king but god told samuel his prophet not to consider appearance or height saying quote the lord does not look at things people look at people look at outward appearance but the lord looks at the heart end quote well that's good news for all of us who feel discounted overlooked or ill qualified when adonai has his eye on us when he calls us to something other people's opinions of us and their actions against us Are irrelevant. David's life proves that. He faced a lot of opposition, a lot of situations where it seemed, from a human perspective, that he would never become king. Years fleeing for his life, hiding in caves, hiding in a foreign land, times when he could have risen up, when he could have forced his own way, when he could have fought for control. But he didn't. Instead, he turned to and relied upon Adonai, his master, the sovereign ruler of all. Keep me safe, my God, he wrote in Psalm 16, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Or more accurately, I say to Yahweh, you are my Adonai, the self-revealing, self-existing one and ruler of all. And then in verse five, he said, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Now here is one of my favorite verses, verse seven, quote, I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night, my heart instructs me. And that's God's desire for all of us. The one who knows all and sees all and is sovereign over all wants to daily direct our steps. As Psalm 37, verses 23 to 24, also written by David, states, quote, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand, end quote. David regularly sought God's will. He waited upon God's guidance. And that's the hard part, right? To wait when it seems like the situation is urgent and God appears silent. I imagine there were numerous times when David felt that way, but he wrote in Psalm 37, verse 7, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. David lived those words. One of the best examples of this comes from 1 Samuel chapter 24. Saul, the man who reigned during the 15 years from when David was first anointed until he took the throne, wanted David dead and pursued him relentlessly. Scripture tells us, starting in verse 1, quote, after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats, end quote. 3,000 men, y'all. That had to be Terrifying. And then continuing in verse 4, we read that Saul, quote, came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. But David's conscience was immediately pricked. He said, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. In other words, though Saul wanted to kill him and sent his army after him, David didn't retaliate. He didn't force his will. Instead, he waited on God's timing, he waited for God to fulfill his purposes for David. Because David trusted God to be his Adonai, his master, the ruler over all, his life included, and his determined trust gave him the peace and the inner grit he needed to remain strong through everything he encountered as he waited and waited and waited for God's plans to come to pass. And they did. Some 15 years after God first planted the dream of kingship into David's heart, he finished what he started. At age 30, David became ancient Israel's second king. God's long-awaited promise was fulfilled. Reflecting on David's story, on the faithfulness of the God who orchestrated it, I find increased confidence to let him write my story as well, to be my Adonai, my lord, my master, to trust in his sovereignty. He's more than proven himself trustworthy and true, don't you agree? When we consider living under Christ's lordship, we might bristle. It might make us feel anxious until we remember to whom God is calling us to surrender. The one who himself told God the Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he said that on the night before he died. That was in the context of his crucifixion. Why did he say that? And really, why did he die? so that you and I could be set free, free from sin and all its enslaving effects. That is the Savior who calls us to lay down our lives, our wills, our agendas, so that in him we might truly live free. Come to me, Jesus said, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our Adonai, our Lord, our Master, He's not a harsh taskmaster, hungry for power and control. No, He's humble and gentle. And His ways are easy and light. We can follow our own wisdom and our plans. We can fight for control, bearing the full weight of our burdens. And we can just stir up all of this anxiety in our souls. Or we can hand over our burdens. We can cast our cares on the Lord. We can surrender our agenda to Him. We can follow as He leads and trust Him to act in His way and His timing, like He did for David and like He did for my husband. Well, I want to end with this. The first time I sensed God calling me to surrender in an uncertain situation, I really struggled because I didn't fully know him as Elohim, El Shaddai, El Rafa, and Yahweh. I didn't know the depths of his heart. I didn't know how tender and faithful he is. But as bit by bit, I relinquished my control and I chose to follow him I came to know him better. I saw that he truly was all-sufficient, faithful, healer, almighty God, able and willing to lead me towards his very best, that he truly did have a best in mind for me. So if you're struggling to let go in a certain area, to yield to God's guidance, I encourage you to get to know him better. Ask him to show himself to you and to help you trust him more. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, our Adonai, the ruler of all, our victorious Savior, help us to trust you more. Help us to trust that you truly do have a plan for us, that you are working out that plan, and that your plan for us is amazing. You have seen our our entire lives from beginning to end, and Lord, help remind us that you are supreme ruler and help us to remember that when life feels hard and uncertain, when it seems like other people have so much power over us, when, when others in positions of authority over us, when, when we're afraid that maybe they can derail your plans for us, help us to remember who you are. Help us to remember your power, your glory, your heart and your love and give us peace in that. Help us to cast our burdens onto you, Lord, and to receive in return your peace. We love you. We praise you. And with your strength, we surrender to you, our Adonai, our victorious Savior. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. I hope today just gave you that little nudge of courage That will help you to surrender. And as you surrender to God, you're at an eye that you will find increased courage to do so when you see just how trustworthy, how faithful he is. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to share it with your friends. So they're encouraged as well and rate it that that encourages us and it also helps others to find it. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast, where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.